morning, Grace Church. So good to see all of you. So grateful to be here for those online as well. We're so happy that you're with us today and just excited to be in the house. Uh, my wife, Stephanie, and I were here for your building dedication. And uh, what an amazing thing that God is doing here at Grace Church. And, and I just want you to know as, as we're getting started here, um, your pastors are amazing. Uh, pastors Aaron and Nicole, they love you. They're praying for you. Uh, they're seeking God on your behalf. They're, they're bearing your souls on their hearts and they're just, they're for you. And uh, you just need to know not every church has pastors like you have that are truly in it for you and wanna see God's best taking place in your life. And, and uh, they have led so strong and so faithfully over the years. And I would love, I know they're not in a room, but could you join with me and just honor your pastors right now and just thank God for them, come on. And uh, I'm excited to be able to be here with, with my wife, Stephanie. If you will go ahead and wave at everybody. It's my wife, Stephanie. And uh, got our family here up on the screen as well. We got a picture of them. Got uh, three beautiful children. Got an, uh, a daughter that's 23, Eden. Another daughter, 19, Emma. And our 15-year-old son, Grant. He's almost 16. Pray for us, everybody. He wants to drive. He's already, every time on the way to school, can I drive? I'm like, I'll come out. And he's already in the driver's seat. And I guess you're driving. But uh, we're so thankful to, uh, to be here. Uh, we planted a church in 2008 in New Jersey and uh, with just a, a burden for that community and for that city. And, and uh, we planted with ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches. That's actually how we met your pastors was through those relationships and connections that we had there. But we also quickly met our pastors now, Pastors Matt and Sarah Keller at Next Level Church in Fort Myers, Florida. And uh, when we met them, uh, one of the first things that we learned was their story and uh, now over 19 years, it's 19 and a half, it'll be 20 years this coming May that they moved from the only home that they ever knew in small town, Indiana, to plant Next Level Church in Fort Myers. And uh, uh, sitting on the edge of their bed just a few months in, feeling alone, uh, feeling clueless about how to lead a church, feeling hopeless about where things were at, and with tears literally streaming down the, their faces as they're sitting on the edge of their bed in their small 800 square foot apartment, just calling out to God, crying out to him. And their prayer was, God, if you let us live through this, and it was a big if that day, but God, if you let us live through this, we'll do whatever we can to make sure that no ministry couple ever has to feel the way that we feel right now. And that was the birth of the relational network. And now um, I have the privilege of, of being the pastor of the Next Level Relational Network where we have 119 churches all over North America, Canada, up in Alaska, in Serbia, in Europe. And uh, we're just honored to be able to lead them and, and to be able to put together basically small groups. We pastor pastors. And so your pastors, Pastor Aaron and Nicole, are each in a group. And uh, Pastor Aaron's in my group, and we get to just do life together. But so honored, want to honor my pastors, Pastor Matt and Sarah, and thankful for them allowing us to be here today with all of you. Well, I've been praying for you, and I have just a burden, an expectation in my spirit that God wants to do something really significant today. I really believe that he wants to impart some things into us. And for those of us that are in the room right now or online, and we've never crossed the line of faith of saying yes to relationship with Jesus, I believe that today is your day. I believe today is the day of salvation. And when we say that, when we say church or we say saying yes to Jesus, we're talking about when we recognize and understand that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah or the Son of the living God, that, that he was designed by God to come in the flesh, to physically, miraculously born, be born through a man and a woman here in flesh to live a sinless life and then to give his life up, to allow his body to be tortured 
for our bodies, for our physical healing, to allow his peace to, to be gone, the, the crown of thorns upon his head. The Bible says that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, the whip marks, we are healed. And he died on the cross. He spread out his arms. He shed his blood for our sins. The Bible says that he died, that he was buried in a tomb. And then three days later, after taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave, he was raised from the dead and he is alive today. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we're saying, yes, I believe my sin separates me from God. I no longer want to be separated from God. And I believe that Jesus is the answer for my sin and that he is the son of God and he's alive today. After being crucified, buried and died, he rose again. I believe that. And I'm saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Wash my sin away as far as the east is from the west. I no longer want to be separated from the Father. And I surrender my life to you and I commit my life to you, not just as my Savior, but you're my Lord. And so when we say yes to Jesus, everything changes. And that's what God wants to do. That's what the church is all about. And I believe God wants to do that today, but I also believe this. I also believe that God wants to do something significant for those of us that have been struggling in our physical bodies. I believe that the power of the Lord is present to heal right now today in this room for those online as well. The power of the Lord is present to heal. And that's my expectation. That's what I'm believing for. That's what I've been praying for over you. Prayer walks this past week, just speaking life over Grace Church and believing God wants to do something significant. Can you agree with that, everybody? Do you believe God wants to do something? Come on. So here's what we're going to do. I want to talk about what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be the church? And I hope that you'll take some notes. There's actually, we made it easy for you. There's note cards in the seat back pocket in front of you. There's pens there. Um, but you also have a phone you can pull out as long as you promise not to text. Don't go on Instagram or anything like that. Uh, but just take some notes. And here's why. I, I, I get it. We'll, we'll probably say, but I'll never go back and read them again. I never do. I say I'm going to, but I never do. That's okay. It is scientifically proven that you will retain more from what you hear when you're writing it down at the same time. And I believe God wants us to retain his word today. So get ready to take some notes. We're going to start up here in Mark chapter 2. I want to look at verse 1. And we're talking about being the church, to be the church. What does it mean to be the church? Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It says, a few days later. Now, the reason it says a few days later is Jesus had just a few days prior to this had miraculously healed someone. One translation says in, an, in advanced stages of leprosy. An advanced case, and what, really what it means is it's hopeless. This person had leprosy for so long and had so ravaged their body that there was no hope left. An advanced case, and Jesus stepped in when there was no one else could do anything, and he heals this man, and he says, don't go and tell anybody about this. Just go to the priest, do the whole ceremonial washing for, for being cleansed from leprosy, but don't tell anybody. Well, he, he didn't listen to Jesus. He went and told everybody. And word spread so, so crazy that this multitude of people surrounds, and that's where we pick up here. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Now, I want to pause again here. Just picture this for a moment. There's so many people at Grace Church today that not only is there not an empty seat, not only have we brought all of the extra seats that we have in storage out and packed the room, but there's literally people sitting on the floor, standing in the aisles or sitting in the aisles along the wall. They're up all over the stage surrounding Jesus as he's trying to speak. Just, and, then, and then the doors to the, the foyer are wide open. The foyer's full of people, standing room only. They're out on the patio. They're out outside as well. The doors outside are wide open. 
People are everywhere. So many people that someone else that's wanting to get in to try to get into Jesus, that needs to get into Jesus, can't because of the crowd. Can't even get in the door. And that's what's happening here right now. So many gather. There's no room. Not even outside. And then look at this, verse 3. And then it says, so some men came bringing to him a paralytic, and I want you to capture this phrase. If you're taking notes, circle it, write it down, put a box around it. But it says, the phrase is this, carried by four of them. Carried by four of them. What does it mean to be the church? Number one, first thing it means to be the church is that we do the heavy lifting. We do the heavy lifting. Now, when I'm saying the church, I'm not talking about like Grace Church corporation or established or the, the building, the, the, the legal side of it. I'm talking about the church, you and I, those of us, as I said earlier, that have said yes to a relationship with Jesus. He's come in, he's our savior, he's washed us of our sins, and he's our Lord. We've committed to allow him to lead and guide our life. We are the church. And when we're the church, a church isn't just one person. Church means literally in the original language, ecclesia. It doesn't mean a building. It doesn't mean four walls and a roof. It means the people. When we gather together in the name of Jesus, we are the church. And when we are the church, we do the heavy lifting. And what I mean by that is that these four men, we don't know how long or how many times they had passed by this paralyzed person. We don't know if this paralyzed person was, was placed somewhere every day by his family. We don't know if he just stayed there and he never moved and people would just bring him water. But we, we, we don't know the full story, but we do know this. At some point, there was a conversation with these four men and this one paralyzed person. And the paralyzed person could not get to Jesus on his own. He heard about the person that was just healed of leprosy just a few days prior. And he's probably thinking, or at least the four friends, again, we don't know who had it, but the four friends, uh, something happened where there's this stirring up that said, we've got to grab a corner. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to grab a corner. Come on, tell them. Grab a corner. Grab a corner. They grabbed a corner of the person's mat, each one on a four corner, and carried him, trying to get him to Jesus. They lifted up. Now, here's the thing. Every one of us has people in our lives, and, and maybe we would say, you know what, I'm the one that's paralyzed. And whether we would say that, I'm the one that's paralyzed, but we all have people in our life that we know are paralyzed, and, and, and maybe physically, but maybe not. Maybe you're very aware of their marriage that's paralyzed. Their marriage is at the point where they've already been to attorneys, there's already paperwork, they're about, all they have to do is sign, and it's completely done. We know people in our lives that are paralyzed emotionally, struggling with depression, just difficult to, to, to gain perspective and to, just burdened with this, a weight of darkness and they're, they're paralyzed, paralyzed emotionally. We know some that are, that are paralyzed financially, paralyzed in their businesses. They've struggled, they made some poor decisions, but it seems like all hell has broken loose on them financially and they're, they're paralyzed, paralyzed in their home with their kids, paralyzed at work. But we walk past people every single day, whether at school, that are paralyzed and we can see it. There's addiction, there's hopelessness and people are paralyzed. And what it means to be the church is at some point, something happens on the inside of us and we determine by the spirit of God, like I'm not walking past this paralyzed person anymore without doing some heavy lifting for their life. And whether that's praying, whether that's grabbing a corner, inviting them over and over again, week after week, praying for them, bringing them things, caring for them, whatever it is, we're going to do the heavy lifting because that's what we see happen here with these four men. They grabbed a corner and brought him to Jesus. Now take a look at this. Back to Jesus. Verse 4. 
They couldn't get him to Jesus. And maybe that's where a lot of us are at. Maybe we've grabbed a corner of somebody's life. We've encouraged them. God did something so significant in us and it's all we can do to, to, to not even tell somebody. And so finally we grab a corner and we're, we're trying to get them to Jesus. But for whatever reason, whether it's the crowd, whether it's offense, whether it's hurts, whatever it is, there's obstacles that, that prevent that person from truly getting to Jesus. And that's what's happening here. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. I mean, this is crazy when you think about this. This, I mean, literally, again, picture this room full of people, so many people all on the floor, all over the stage, sitting around Jesus. Jesus is talking just like this and all of a sudden something hits Jesus on the head and he kind of brushes it off. Maybe it's a big bug or something, kind of keeps on teaching. He's preaching the word to them, right? And all of a sudden all this debris starts falling. If it was like this, this brand new building, they're up there with saws cutting through the roof. And all of a sudden, it, like he looks up and look what it says here in verse five. It says, when he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. When he saw their faith, the hole in the roof was so big, they lowered, uh, big enough to lower a man down through, right here in front of Jesus, right, lower him down. And he looks up and the hole's big enough, he can see the four men up there above him. And it says he saw their faith, he saw something. Here's what we need to know about what it means to be the church. Number two, it means that we have faith for others. What did he see in them? That it says that he saw faith in them. What was it? I mean, if, if you have so much expectation, if I can just get you to church, if I can just get you in the presence of God, if I can just get you into a place where you can hear the message, the good news that Jesus loves you and he cares for you, if I can just get you into the presence of God, the healing presence of God, I know you will be touched by Jesus and your life will be changed. And that's why when Jesus looked up, he saw these four men that had this strong expectation for their friend. We know if we can just get him to Jesus, he'll do for him what he just did for the leprous man just a few days ago. We know he will do it. They had faith for him. Here's the question. When's the last time you had faith for someone in your life? Now I get it, I, I know about me, it's like it's hard enough to have faith for myself. <laughs> like when the, when the oxygen mask comes down, I can barely get it on myself. Like I just barely have enough to believe God for me Yet once I receive for me to be the church together combined, it means I start noticing paralyzed people in my life. I start recognizing paralysis when I see it, whether spirit, whether soul, or whether body. I'm able to recognize it and I determine I'm gonna do some heavy lifting, I'm gonna grab a corner, but I also know that something's gotta begin to stir in me. I need to begin to believe God that somebody's life can be changed if they can just get into his presence. And Grace Church, my question for you today is this, do you believe that about the people in your life? If you can just get them to church, and not just again church, but but get them into the presence of God, that God is able, not just able, but he's already done it through the sacrificial uh, sacrifice of his son that he's already done, he's already provided salvation. He did one time, one time that Jesus was sacrificed, one time that his body was tortured, never again, his body was tortured one time, crown of thorns one time, crucified on a cross one time, spilled his blood one time, died in a buried in a tomb one time, went to hell for all of us one time and was resurrected from the dead one time. He never has to do it again. Do you believe Believe, Grace Church, that salvation is available for you. Good. Come on. 
One time. He did it one time. He never has to do it again over 2,000 years ago. Never again. No matter how much sin we have, no matter how far away from God we are, no matter how agnostic, atheistic, hurting, broken, no matter where we are, no matter how much sin, what Jesus did on that cross, sacrificing himself, was done once and for all. But I want us to understand this today. Not only can we believe that and need to believe that for salvation, for forgiveness, but we also need to believe that for healing. We also need to believe that for peace of mind. We also need to believe that for provision. He's done it through Jesus. He's made things available for us that all we have to do is just like these four men, we have to have faith to receive, faith to believe that Jesus is, he is the one where healing comes from. He is the one where salvation comes from. We have to have faith for others. So when we're the church, truly functioning as the church, we will do the heavy lifting for the people in our lives that need some extra help and support, but we'll also have faith for them. But the story goes on. Take a look at this, verse six. It says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there. Actually, in Luke chapter five, we don't have this on the screen, but if you wanna write it down to look it up later, but Luke chapter five, Verse 17 actually says that there were Pharisees, that there were religious leaders, lawmakers, Sadducees that had come from all, all over Jerusalem and Judea. They came from all over the place and to, to hear Jesus. And it says that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The Pharisees, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. But if you read along the story, we don't see any of them getting healed. Take a look at what happens here. It says that they were there sitting, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? What does it mean to be the church? Number three, it means that we will have critics. There will be those that criticize decisions that we're making as, as someone that's a part of the church. They'll, they'll criticize the, the habits that we are picking up. They'll criticize the, the way that we're living our lives, the changes that we made. There will be critics. And I would venture to say there's, there's probably critics in two different areas. There's critics outside the church. We run into them when we're wearing our Grace Church shirt or we, we forget to take our, our name tag off when we go to the restaurant after church today. And they're like, oh, what is that? And you tell them Grace Church and they go, oh, that church. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's people that they have thoughts and, and, and judgments on our church. Maybe have never been here. Maybe they have, but, they, but they're, they're critics that are outside of the church. But just like with Jesus in his church, there can be critics inside as well. And here's what I understand and what I've learned about criticism. It's, it's very easy to criticize something we're not helping to create. It's, it's easy to, to do way more sitting than caring when we're, crit, when we're critical. It's hard to grab a corner and, and lift someone up when we're, when we're critical. We'll do way more sitting than we do carrying, but it's a lot easier to criticize something that we have not helped to create. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I like to eat. And I don't know if you could tell I like to eat, but I like to eat. But not only do I like to eat, I, I, like, to, I like to eat things that I have spent time making, creating. And one of the things that I love to, to cook, and I haven't made it for a while, but it's eggplant Parmesan. Anybody go for some good eggplant Parmesan right now? Just me, I'm getting hungry. So 
Uh, years ago, we, were, we didn't have cable at the time. We had PBS. Anybody know what PBS is? You're like, PBS? We had PBS, and on PBS was this chef. It, her name was Lydia, and it was Lydia's Italian Kitchen. I remember watching this and watching her cook and the recipes that she would make, and it all looked so good, and so we ended up ordering her cookbook. And I open up the cookbook, and I'm like, let's make eggplant parmesan, and I open up this cookbook, and this recipe is like, my goodness, there's a lot that goes into this. And like any great chef and any great recipe, there are other recipes within the recipe. So it's like, if you want to make this eggplant parmesan the way Lydia does, you need to turn to page 128 to make the sauce. There's a sauce recipe on 128. And if you want to make this eggplant parm the way that she made it, she, made, she makes her own pasta. You need to turn to page 201 to make the pasta. I'm like, I ain't making pasta, but I'll make the sauce. And so I'm on eggplant parm, I'm on the page and I'm getting all of the ingredients and I go to the store and I, they tell you exactly the type of eggplant to get, how many you need. They tell you the fresh basil, you need Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese that you're gonna grade fresh. You need, you need uh, fresh mozzarella, not the, not the craft in the bag already shredded. You need fresh mozzarella. And uh, so we go and get the ingredients and come back and follow the recipe. You've got you to peel the eggplant a certain way. You've got to slice it in certain uh, you know, sizes. And then you need to put kosher salt on it and let it sit for about an hour. And while that's doing it, you start making your sauce. You get your onions and your celery and your carrots in the sauce and they're chopped up a certain way and you start sweating all of that and you get your tomatoes in there and you st- as the sauce is cooking and you've got that roll and you're, you're about an hour in, it's time to rinse off the eggplant. And when you rinse it off and you dry it off, you put a little, uh, a little flour on it, a little egg wash and you bread it and then you, f- you fry it perfectly to this crispy golden brown fried eggplant. I heard a mmm, that's almost like an amen. It's almost, it's close, it's good, I'll take it. And so then you get out your, your lasagna pan, that, that glass Pyrax, right, the 9 by 13. And, and the way the recipe goes is you're supposed to ladle a little bit of the sauce on the bottom of the pan, not, not a ton, but just a little bit. And you freshly grate some of that Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese, and you put a little fresh basil down. And then you layer the eggplant, that, that lightly brown, crispy eggplant on top of it. And then you put a little more sauce on, a little more Parmigiano-Reggiano, some more fresh basil. And then you break apart the fresh mozzarella on top of that. And then you just do another layer and another layer. And then you put that bad boy in the oven. You get some fresh bread in there. You start boiling your pasta. And I mean, and when it's all said and done, it's, it's delicious. Remember pulling out, we've had it so many times, we pull it out and it's like, it's so good. And, and a lot of times there's like, hey, I, I, I bet if I would have done this a little bit different. I, I think I needed to add a little more seasoning to the, the sauce or we need a little more, a little less of this. And we're always seeing things and we're, 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 we're critical, but it's more in a, critiquing way. We want to make it better and we're enjoying it. And we're not, we're not critical of it or anybody that made it, but we're just, we're enjoying it. But there's a big difference from that to pinpointing some things we want to adjust and then going to an Italian restaurant and ordering eggplant Parmesan. And the first thing that you experience as you're walking into the restaurant is they're not glad that you're there. <laughs> they're, they're, they, I don't know why they don't want us there, but they're not glad that you're there. And they seat you by the, the kitchen or the bathroom and, and they, they, they barely come to your table in a timely manner and, and they, they want to memorize your order, but they don't. And just write it down, man, just write it down. Just write it down. I'll be more impressed if you get it right and I enjoy the meal than you memorizing it. Just write it down. But they don't. And, 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 so, and the food comes out and there's parts that are cold and there's flavor. And you're, we're critical, right? We go on Yelp. We give them a two-star review and we tell them we'll never come back again. But isn't that interesting how closely related that can be to our experience in church? I promise you, those of us that are serving here at Grace, that are on a greeting or are serving in kids or... You know, donuts and coffee, how many are thankful for donuts and coffee? Yes, Lord. 
But we're serving, whether it's in here in the auditorium in worship or we're leading a small group, we're a part of creating what, what people experience here. And I'm just telling you, it is so much more difficult to criticize something that you're helping to create. And you need to know that God does not want us to have a critical spirit. He wants us to be a part of building the church. But when we're the church, we will have critics inside and outside the church. Take a look at this, verse 8. It says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking. And they were thinking it in their hearts. And he says to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is harder? Nope. Which is more difficult? Nope, it's not what Jesus said. He said, which is easier? Which is easier? Which is easier, to forgive sins or to say to somebody, rise up, take up your mat and walk? Which is easier? I think it's so interesting that Jesus was basically telling us, listen, forgiveness is not hard. With Jesus, it's easy. Healing is not hard. With Jesus, it's easy. Which is easier? Not which is harder, not which is more difficult, not which is going to cause you to, to work the hardest and, and struggle. No, which is easier? And so that you will see that the Son of Man, and he didn't even say the Son of God. He wasn't trying to prove that he was God. I think when Jesus continued to call himself the son of man, he wants us to understand because he told his disciples this. He said, listen, because the Holy Spirit is coming upon you, you're going to be able to do not just the works that I've been doing, but you're actually going to be able to do greater works than even I'm doing. I find that this is mind-blowing. Jesus, you mean we're going to be able to do greater things? We're going to experience greater things than even what we're seeing you do? And Jesus said, yes. And he said, because I want to show you how to do it as a human being. I want to show you how to hear the voice of God. I want to show you how to step out in faith. I want to show you how to speak boldly to disease, to darkness, to hardship. I want to show you how to walk in love. I want to show you that I'm not doing this as an example as the Son of God. Of course Jesus could do it. He was the Son of God. Jesus said, no, no, no. I'm doing this as a man, born of a virgin, of a human being, brought into the earth, walking through the earth. I'm doing this as a man. And you and I can do this. He's saying we can do that as the Son of Man has power to lead somebody into the presence of Jesus to experience salvation, to lead them into a place where healing can take place. He goes, I want you to know this. Number four, what does it mean to be the church? Here's what it means. Because number one says that we do the heavy lifting. Number two says that we have faith for others. Number three says we're gonna have critics. We need to push past that. But number four, we always remember that the point is life change. We always remember that the point is life change. For every one of us, whether this is our, our routine and we're, we're just here and every Sunday this is what we do and we go to the 11 o'clock, not the 9.15 because we go to brunch first, <laughs> beat all the people to brunch or whatever it is or it's harder to get the kids up and so we wait, we get the kids up, get them breakfast and we're at the 11 or, or this is you know where all the pretty girls are. I don't know, I can't see, the lights are really bright. I'm not saying you're not pretty, I just can't see you. But whatever it is, like we do the 11, we go through the motions, we go through the routine. I just, I just want us to be so careful, church, that we recognize that this is about life change. And not just somebody in your mind that you would say, oh, they're far gone, they really need church, I'm so glad that they're here. No, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. That the whole point of what we're doing isn't just so that we didn't just build this building, spend all this money to build this building just so we could say we have a big, uh, our own building, we don't have to be portable anymore. We, we're, we're here, no, it's not about a building. It's about people. It's about people receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 
It's about single moms that are struggling just to get here on a, they got their 2.5 kids finally fed, dressed, and in the baby carrier, and here, and they're getting out of their car, pull the baby up, put them in the, pull the baby carrier. I don't know. So there's a mathematical phenomena. An eight-pound baby, a 10-pound carrier equals 100 pounds. Anybody figure this one out? But she's struggling just to get in the door. Burden, I mean, we need to recognize this life change. People with addictions broken and far from God. People that are uh, opposed to God only because they've met some people that said they were for God and didn't represent God well. But we need to recognize that the whole point is that God wants to do something deep in our heart. We, maybe we're what I would probably be, if I was to be locked into you know, a, a specific person in that story, we've got the, the four friends that are bringing their, their paralyzed friend, we've got the paralyzed friend, we've got all of the people filling the room, we've got the religious people we know that are in there, we've got other people that are just watching, maybe there's other people that need healing. Again, the Bible says that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Put yourself in the story. Who are you? Some of us in the room right now, we might be the paralyzed person. Maybe we were calling out for help. Maybe we weren't. Maybe just there's four people that recognized we needed help and they wouldn't stop asking us, stop inviting us, start. They wouldn't stop bringing us. Who are you in the story? Maybe you're one of the four friends and you're doing some heavy lifting and you're starting to carry some people and help them to get to Jesus and you've got faith for them. But is it possible that we might be in the story and we might be one of the, the religious leaders. We know church. I know church. I, was, I could have been born in the church. My family was at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It was Cub Scouts at the church. My parents were in the choir. We were there for choir. We had missionaries that stayed at our house. Like, I know church. I know the Bible. Memorize a lot of scripture. Who are you in the story? Because we have to always remember that no matter who we are in the story, God wants to change our life. And being the church means that it, we recognize it's all about life change. And we're aware every single time we're together, whether it's in a small group, whether it's at a rehearsal, whether it's serving in kids, serving on a team, driving here, standing on the parking lot, waving, holding doors, everything that we're doing so that somebody's life can be changed for eternity. We need to know that and remember, it's always about life change. So here's a question. What needs changed in your life today? What do you need Jesus to do? Do you need to do a, a lot more caring than criticizing? Do you need healing? Do you need forgiveness? It's a time since you've experienced that, you need to grab a corner and, and help someone to experience it. But bottom line, it's life change. I'm gonna skip a verse. I'm gonna read verse 10 and 11. We're almost done. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to, to forgive sins. Look what he says. He says to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Get up, take your mat, and go home. What does it mean to be the church number five? It means that we go home different than we came. That's what it means to be the church. It means that we go home different than we came. If we walked in critical, we go home free, celebrating what God is doing. If we walked in full of sin, we go home forgiven and cleansed. If we walked in here far from God, it means that we go, we go home, we go out the door different. It means that now we've said yes to Jesus. God is now in our life. If we walked in here paralyzed, our marriage paralyzed, we need to know that God wants to do a work in our marriage and he wants us to walk out different than we came. He wants us to know that every time that we're 
together as a church? What does it mean to be the church? Not just here for an hour or so on a Sunday, but all throughout the week. What does it mean to be the church? It means that every time I encounter Jesus, he changes me. Every time I'm together with my other believers, I'm changed. That God wants to do something inside of us that changes us. And so if you're far from God today, whether in the room or online, you need to know that God wants you different. He wants you to experience his love and his salvation, no matter what you've done. If you're sick in your body, you need to know that today is the day of healing. Not only is today the day of salvation, but he wants to heal bodies. He's the healer. We go home different than we came. Look at this, verse 12. Verse 12 says, he gets up. Again, kind of take, trace back to the beginning of the story. He can't get to Jesus. He's got four friends that finally get him to the place where Jesus is at, but he can't even get in the room. They tear open the roof. They have faith for him. They lower him down. This whole move gets criticized, but Jesus doesn't stop. This paralyzed man is laying at the feet of Jesus and Jesus tells him that his sins are forgiven, which is easier. Sins forgiven, heal your body. But that you might know that it's exactly both what Jesus wants. He wants you forgiven and he wants you healed. He got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. We have never seen anything like this before. We saw your marriage. You were done. You had given up and now you're in love and you're together. We've never seen a marriage restored like this before. I saw you addicted, ravaged. You couldn't even put, you couldn't even get, you know, your life together. And now I see you just in your right mind. You're, you're fully employed. You're gainful. I mean, you're, you're living your best life. What happened? I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen somebody so against God, so agnostic, so far from God to now be celebrating God and telling other people about God. I've never seen anything like this before. Church, Grace Church, hear me. Wake up. Allow ourselves to become awake to recognize that God wants us different. He wants the people around us to see the change in us and celebrate Him because they know it could only be God. Only God can do that. Only God can save a soul like that. Only God can change a family like that. Only God can heal a body like that. We go home different than we came. And when we're the church, when we do the heavy lifting, when we have faith for others, when we overcome the criticism and not allow it to move us, and we recognize this is always about life change, and we allow ourselves to go home different, guess what the result is? The result is that others around us will see the life change, and they won't be drawn to us, and they won't be drawn to a church. They'll be drawn to Jesus. They'll be drawn to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I want my life. I want the way that I act. I want the way that I live. I want it to draw people to you, Jesus. Oh, that that would be our prayer. And I pray today, I pray today that Jesus is drawing some of us in this room and even online that Jesus is drawing us. Whether you're watching this live or you're watching this back, Jesus is drawing us. I wanna pray for us with every head bowed and every eye closed. I wanna pray. If that's you, if you can remember back to the beginning of this message where I talked about what salvation is and what it means to say yes to relationship with Jesus, if you remember that, it's recognizing that I'm a sinner and my sin keeps me far from God. But Jesus paid the price for that. 
And saying yes to him is just recognizing that Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Today is the day. Today's your day. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand saying, I wanna receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna have you stand up. I'm not gonna have you come forward, but right where you are at your seat, everyone else's head is bowed and eyes are closed. We're, we're respecting this moment. We're in reverence of what God is doing. But God does not want you to leave here the way that you came. And today's your day of salvation. So if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm saying yes to Jesus today. On the count of three, one, two, three. Slip your hand up, thank you. Hands up all through the room, thank you. Praise God, praise God, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Keep your hand up. Let's pray this prayer together. And would everybody in the room, would you join us in praying this prayer together? Just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, everybody in the church, we can all pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son to pay the price for my sins. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God, that you died on a cross for me, that you were buried in a tomb for three days, and then you were raised from the dead, and you are alive today for me. Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life, wash me clean of all my sin, and I commit Say this boldly, I commit that I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.